All right, Justin, I need you to sing me a song about some gentlemen doing crime stuff, but then switch to a different song that has a weird ending. Uh, <laughs> why do you always do this? Um, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I can't what think of a song, single thing. What song makes you think of gentlemen? Let's try that. Well, you could sing gentlemen by Psy. Hmm. You need to get up on your K-pop. Uh, this is like the second time <laughs> that brought up some K-pop and you haven't been able to do it. <laughs> Sorry, man. But. No, I got the man. I'm drawing blanks. Nothing. Jeez. Let's start the episode then. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. As always, this is Sterling, and I am joined by Heather and Justin, and we will be talking about two movies this time. We will be talking about The Turning and The Gentleman. But before we get into that, I just have to, real quick, because I am compelled to do so, I have to bring up the, the new trailer for F9, which is the ninth direct sequel in the Fast and the Furious franchise and the 10th movie overall in the saga. Um, holy fuck, what a trailer. Um, I just have to say, like, with these Fast and the Furious movies, when I watch the trailer, my favorite part of watching these trailers is when they show you that hint of the peak ridiculousness this movie's going to get to. And, you know, with the, the Fate of the Furious trailer, you know, of course, it's the, you know, the penultimate scene in the in the trailer where the the submarine bursts through the ice and it's just utterly exciting. And you get, you're in, like, and you're just already thinking, all right, cars versus submarines. Got it. And so I'm watching this trailer and it keeps going and it keeps going. And I don't feel like I'm getting that moment yet. You know, they had the scene where there was what the rocket engine on like a, a Fiero or something like that. And you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. And then, you know, they've got the scene where, you know, Dom makes the, you know, goes full on Tarzan with a, with a car you know, between two islands, you know, and they even do the whole thing where, you know, John Cena is the bad guy, which I'm super stoked about that. And then lo and behold, also, because, you know, they can't have any characters in this universe that don't have some weird connection to another character. He's automatically Dom's little brother. So I'm like, sign me up for that. But I'm still waiting for this. I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And then all of a sudden this trailer ends with fucking Han back from the dead. Yes. Blew my mind. Just blew my mind. <laughs> like, they just subverted my expectations. Because I'm like, all right, where's the crazy car thing they're going to do? Like, is it going to be, you know, a car versus an aircraft carrier? What's it going to be? Nope. Reanimation from the dead. Fuck yeah. I mean, I've got no idea at all how they're going to do it. I mean, for all I know, it's not even him. It's his weird twin brother that just happens to know everybody. And it's going to be just like Han never left or something. But I can't tell you how excited I am to find the fuck out, though, because that was one of the best things I've ever seen in a trailer ever. All right. Apparently. You yeah. That too. No, I thought you I don't know why I thought you were going to add more. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I think it looks awesome. Yeah. At the very least, I mean, it looks fun. Um, and it was kind of cool that 
uh, I knew that a while back they had reported that Cena was going to be a part of it, but I didn't know as what or what he was going to be doing or is he going to be like, I, I guess I was wondering, is he going to be kind of like, um, like the Rock's replacement or something like that? Like, I didn't know what role he was going to have in it, but this seems like it's definitely going to be a big role. So, um, and, and and it seems and he seems to be somebody that fits right with this franchise. I mean, if you don't know anything about John Cena, the pro wrestler, he loves cars like he collects cars. He has all of these um, like tricked out, expensive cars. He's got like his own kind of like car garage thing where he's just got like all these souped up vehicles. So if anybody kind of fit the Fast and Furious franchise, if anybody kind of has the muscles and the muscle cars to go with it, it's him. So this seems like a match made in heaven. So I hope the movie does well, which given the track record, I don't see how it wouldn't. And maybe bringing Han back was um, a good way to go, especially since I didn't see Hobbs or Shaw like, uh, you know, how do you feel that void? Oh, you bring back a beloved character. So, yeah, yeah I know both of them aren't in this movie, but supposedly they'll be yeah. back for 10. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm also super excited to see Cena as a bad guy, like true villain character. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm 99% sure by the end of the movie, he's going to be fighting alongside Dom. He'll be, you know, a good guy by the end of the movie. But just the idea that even you know, for 90% of the movie, he's going to be a bad guy really excites me because I don't know. I don't know much about his wrestling career, but he, was he ever full heel while he was wrestling? Justin? Just, uh, just very early when he started, like he had a bad, he was like the rapper and he was bad and he would come and he had a guy that he came out with and they would beat people up and stuff like that. Um, and he would rap and make fun of the crowd and make fun of the person he was wrestling. And then it transitioned over to where he was actually the the baby face, the good guy. But he was still rapping. And this said now he would insult the wrestler and he would make it to where it was sing along with the fans. So, you know, he made it more inclusive when he went baby face. Then he just kind of became John Cena, the all-American kind of almost soldier boy, but determined full of heart, grit, determination. And he was that for like, what, 10 to 12 years before he kind of started kind of riding off into the sunset and doing movies. So yeah, long story short, he's been a good guy for most of his career, you know, minus maybe one or two years of a 15 year career. So that's quite a bit. Yeah. And so to see him, even in movies, he's always been the good guy for the most part, you know, even yeah, if he was playing true. a quote unquote bad guy, like he did in that what that Tina Fey Amy Poehler movie, where he was a drug dealer, but he wasn't even really like a bad guy. He was still a comedic whilst being, you know, yeah. criminal, if you will. Like, no, he's like full on like hyper, like super soldier assassin in this. And I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm super excited. <laughs> super excited. And then on top of that, they have people coming back to life. Yeah, having Han back is probably a really great decision. I'm excited to see what they're doing with that. It's exciting. And at the same time, it's like it really is. It's like it filled me with the same sort of emotions I had whenever this like I was like, oh, it's cars versus submarines because you're like, oh, cars versus submarines. And you're like, oh, how the fuck is that going to happen? And it's the same type of thing. It's like, oh, Han's back. Yes. Awesome. Wait, how did that happen? Like, so I'm just I'm just excited. 
just as excited as I was for any of these other trailers when they go super ridiculous. So I'm fucking stoked. Yeah. When was it coming out again? Uh, sometime this year. I don't remember the exact okay. date. It comes out this year, yeah. though. It's in 2020. Um, probably in June, if I had to guess, off the top of my head. Um, anyway, let's let's go into our, our movies that we're supposed to do. Um, we're like I said, we're going to be talking about the turning and the movie The Gentleman. And in doing so, we're going we're going to do a section about the turning. We're going to talk about our we're going to give a spoiler free impression of the movie. We're going to give our recommendations. And then I will put a time code in the in the show notes in the show description that will say when the spoilers start for the turning. And then also in the show notes, I'm going to put uh, when we transition into the gentleman. So if you just want to listen to the first sections, the time codes will be in the notes. So then you'll you know, you'll be able to see when we go to the gentleman. We do a spoiler free section. We'll do our recommendations on that. And when we do the spoilers for that. So that stuff when we start each movie and when we do the spoilers for each movie will be in the show notes. So just if you're wanting to look at that, go ahead and look down there and um, we'll go through all this. So, uh, like I said, we're going to start with the turning. So, uh, Justin, um, what are your spoiler free interpretations of the turning? Interpretations. <laughs> That's interesting how you put that, because uh, I didn't I'm not sure uh, that really came across at the end. But anyway, um, uh, this movie is a movie. Um, it definitely has characters and they speak to each other. Okay, I'm not going to do this movie like that. Okay, so um, I mean, for overall, um, th- this does have some talented actors and I mean, there are some performances that I think are, are for the most part, solid performances. Uh, I thought that Mackenzie Davis was good as Kate, as this main character and um, her determination to try to get to know and help these children that we have in this movie, uh, Finn Wolford, Miles, and Brooklyn Prince, Flora. Uh, you know, I thought that there were definitely some genuine moments with them that were warm and that were very, very good there. And a lot of the, of the times when I enjoyed the film, it was just when those characters got to interact. So I think that, so not to go into anything specific, but I just think that overall, those interactions and seeing those characters talk to each other and the different th- uh, situations that the script puts them in, that's what kind of keeps the movie going. Um, there are some movies, I mean, movies, there are some moments in the movie that I do think are genuinely creepy moments or they, um, or, or they effectively uh, build some tension. And there were some, um, some jump scares that I think were probably effective, you know, were probably effective. Unfortunately, I was kind of in this, I can't really gauge it because I was in the theater by myself for this one. Um, I saw this on a random Monday night and there was just nobody in there but me. But um, so it's hard to say for sure. Normally I can, in a horror movie, I like to gauge the reactions of the people around me, but there were some uh, effective jump scares and there were some ways where they would build tension or, um, a character would find out something and then, you know, you could tell that something was around the corner or something was lurking and things like that. So they 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 tried to have that imminent danger in the film throughout um, as you're unraveling this story and trying to figure out. And so uh, at, and so by the end of it, uh, I think that the, the the move, the film definitely has a message. 
um, I'm not sure if that message really came across to me. And of course, Will, I'm I'm interested to see what you guys say once we get into the spoiler talk and everything. But I think that that's really kind of what the movie is like. I think that the movie sets up its premise well. And then it and then as the story progresses, you feel like it's unraveling this thing and you can't wait to kind of figure out what the resolution of this or what the message of this or what the motive of this is going to be. And then when you get there, I feel like it does kind of fall flat. I didn't feel like I fully understood. And even if I and if and if I didn't understand certain things, I think it was just because the film didn't explain it very well at the end. I didn't feel like it came across like it should have. And at the very least, even if I did know what happened, and we'll get into a conversation here momentarily, I'm sure, even if I did understand, I didn't feel that it was very impactful. So ultimately, that would kind of be my overall, I guess you could say, review of this film is that it does a great job of setting up. It's almost like a, a disappointing roller coaster ride. Like the on the way up, you hear that cranking and you hear that knock, 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 and it's getting higher and higher and higher. And you just feel like, oh man, this is going to be the most thrilling thing ever. And then you get to the top and then it's just like one little dip and then the ride is over. That's what this kind of felt like. And you're kind of like, no, it was supposed to be more exciting than this, man. That climb was so nerve wracking and awesome. And then all of a sudden it was just like, eh, it just kind of sputters. And then they're like, eh, sorry, guys, you can't ride the rest of this. We got to get off the ride. Um, and you just kind of walk away going, oh, man, what was the point? And so that's kind of where I fell with this movie. Heather, what about you? I think the biggest word to describe this movie for me is a letdown. Um I I just had such high hopes for it. And I guess being it's a horror movie and everything, there's always the stigma with it. And there's always going to be just like things that you have to just expect with horror movies and what comes with that of the tropes and the, you know, cliches and whatever else. But just because of the cast of this, like um, Mackenzie Davis, you know, I had just seen her in Dark Fate earlier this year or, you know, later last year. And She's so great. And I've seen her in a couple of other things, too. She was in a great episode of Black Mirror. And I've just really become a fan of her her acting. I think she's a great actress. And um, and she was great in the movie. She was great. But um, yeah, and then Finn Wolfhard, a huge fan of him from It and from uh, Stranger Things. He's also really great. So I just I think I just expected based on the performances alone, that this was going to be much better. And I guess that was my mistake because as we know with horror movies, stories aren't always what they seem. They don't always play out the way you think that they're going to. And I think for me, yeah, it, it was honestly, unfortunately, a letdown for me, this movie. Um, it's not something that I would say is any form of different than anything else. Um, there are parts of it that kind of leave you thinking, okay, what about that part? <laughs> like, why was that in the movie? Why was that important? So it was just um, just kind of a letdown in very much just a movie you feel like, what was the point if they weren't going to do it in a different way than they did it? So for me, it was not... Um, it was not something that turned out the way I had hoped it would. And I just, I think the movie had so much potential to be better than it was. 
but just the directions they took with it and the choices they made, it was not at all uh, what I expected it was going to be. And, and that's disappointing because it really, it just based on what the story was supposed to be, you know, you feel like it had a lot of potential and it just did not live up to that. So for me, I would say, unfortunately, it just was really much more of a disappointment of a movie than I had hoped it was going to be. Um, I'm, I'm very much in the same camp as you guys. Uh, I, I really like Justin's roller coaster analogy, but for me, what it was is like the ride starts and it, you know, goes around a big, you know, curvy turn and like a big circle almost. And you're like, yeah. And then you like, so it's doing this big turn, big turn, and you know, it's just getting ready. And then you get to that incline and you're like, yeah, I'm ready. And it's just click, click, click. And you get those clicks and you know, like, you're like, you're going up and you're like, yeah. And you get to the top and you're like, yeah, I'm so ready for this. And then it just pulls into the thing and the ride's over. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is for sure. Like, you're just like, oh, all that big turnaround was, was just to get me low enough to go up this incline just to end the ride. And that's it. Like, it's just honestly, to me, the biggest thing with this movie is it feels incomplete. Like the first, and I'm wording this very carefully so I don't spoil anything. The first 99.8% of the movie is one movie. And then the last 2.2%. God, I think that's even wrong. Okay. The first 99.999% of this movie is one movie. And then the last 0.001% of this movie is a different one. And they do not mesh at all. So you're left with this weird feeling at the end of this movie of A, you don't know what you just watched and B, you, you are lost. I don't know a single person that's seen this movie that wasn't lost at the end of it. And it, it's, it's just not in a good way. And it's very troublesome. And I'm going to stop there because I want to expand upon that in just a second. So uh, I guess we'll go in reverse here. Uh, Heather. What's your recommendation and score for this movie? Um, I honestly cannot say that I recommend this movie <laughs> as much as I'd like to say that I would. Because um, when I saw the preview, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to really like this and all that. Um, and I didn't. So unfortunately, I cannot say I recommend it that it's any better than any other horror movie you might see. It might be just as bad as a couple of other ones you've seen. <laughs> but it definitely isn't something that stands out in any sort of way. Um, so it's it's honestly it's not worth it like if you just really feel like you need to see a good horror movie or you just really feel like this is the one that you want to see i would say wait to see it till it's on netflix or on somewhere where you don't have to be in a theater to see it uh it is not really worth the trouble of you know trying to go out of your way to see it so um i can't really say that i recommend it unfortunately and yeah i think and my score um oh Let's see. I'm going to go with a, we'll give it a 30 uh, ghosts in the mirror out of 100 for this one. Justin, what about you? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I'm in the same boat as Heather um, with the recommendation. I don't think I can recommend you see this over other things that I'm sure are better and available at theaters right now. If you're looking for something spooky or something that's a scare, I know that Gretel and Hansel is out. And I, even though I haven't seen that, I'm just almost willing to bet it's better than this. 
Um, then we've got the Lodge that's coming out next weekend. So this is just one of those situations where I don't know where you fit this movie in. And to get and to go through this movie and you're trying to interpret it and you're trying to understand it. And then you get to the ending and you just don't really feel like you understood anything or if you did, what was really the point of it? I, I don't, I, I don't want to tell anybody to go do that. Uh, you know, you don't recommend teases to your friends and people like that. I mean, who goes, Hey man, uh, why don't you go, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't recommend this roller coaster if I knew it was just going to be an incline and then the the ride ends i wouldn't recommend that to a friend so i can't recommend that you go see this um i mean as far as the score the only thing i can give it points for is nailing a scary atmosphere and it had a very distinct i thought look to it and it did have a kind of a creepy atmosphere but those are the only points i could give it and finn wolford this one's for you i'm just going to give it 25 stranger things that you could probably do with your time other than watch this movie out of a (laughs) hundred. That was a good one. I really appreciated that. Thanks (laughs) for, for, for me, I'm going to give you a things like a list of a couple of things that I think you should do instead of watching this movie. Now, if you complete this list of things and you still are looking for something to do, I guess you can go watch this movie. Um, the first one would be watch every episode of everything ever. Um, <laughs> watch every other movie. Um, stub your pinky toe. Uh, fold laundry. Uh, just I don't know. Get stabbed in the eye by a kitten claw. Uh, die. Um. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, pretty much anything else. Just anything else you could ever do in your life. Just do that instead. And then once you've done all of that, and if you're still looking for something to do, fuck it. Yeah, watch the turning. Why not? But that's really about it. Because I'm I'm finding a hard reason to justify why this movie was even made at this point. So then I'm trying to then justify why anybody should watch it. And that gets a little tougher. So I'm going to give it a, I don't know, just a fuck this movie out of fuck this movies. So now it's spoilers time. So spoilers, if you don't want spoilers for the turning, uh, stop and fast forward to the time code below that gets you to the gentleman part. Or keep listening because you're not going to watch this movie. Or whatever, just this is the spoiler section. Yo, what the fuck was that end? Like, dear God. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was the ending of this movie? I have, and we've talked about it before, that there was like a couple of movies that we watched, and it felt like they did some cool things at the end, but the movie didn't justify getting to there. I want to say Pet Cemetery was one of them. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's most of the time with most horror movies, like the ending's either bad, and it's like the movie was a letdown, or like the movie, like the ending's really good, but the rest of the movie didn't earn it yet. Like the movie was kind of bad, then they just kind of ended it in a cool way. And you're just like, oh, well, maybe they should have put that much effort in the rest of the movie. The ending of this movie compared to the rest of the movie is so disjointed that I can't even necessarily say that this movie didn't earn this ending or this ending wasn't earned by the movie or anything like that, because I think they're from two different movies. I don't like while technically they had the same characters and the same settings, even the same names. It's it's two different movies completely. And it's not even a subtle transition. This movie is chugging along and chugging along and then just stops. And then they took the ending of a different movie and put it at the end of this movie. 
and then legitimately ended the movie. Like they could have at least gone on for another 10 minutes or something with this new ending kind of explaining more of how they got there or done like an M. Night Shyamalan-esque, you know, flashback of where they kind of threaded the ending into the movie. But no, it just hard cuts. It's like 30 seconds and then it's done. And like, I have never finished a movie and then looked around the theater at other movie patrons and everybody had the same look of what the fuck just happened on all their faces. <laughs> like, because this movie goes long and it's psychological thriller and it's a ghost story and you're like, oh man, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? Was that really there? Was that really there? All this other stuff. And then all of a sudden they get to this one point and then the movie, they actually give you that ending. And then literally the movie technically could have just ended, but instead they did a weird flashback to a scene that we saw like 15 minutes before that. And then went, nope, bitches be crazy. <laughs> and then just ended it credits. And you're like, why? And I don't know. I don't know if this is true or not, but when I watched that ending, all I could think of was there was a producer on this movie like, you know, they filmed a couple of endings and they were going to figure out how they were going to do what and all this other stuff. But there was a producer on this movie that went, you know what? I know when we did all these preview tests and the director did this, everybody likes the original ending. But fuck that. I like this other ending better. And then went to the editor and went, hey, you know how that's the ending of the movie? And that guy went, yeah. And he goes, put this other ending after that other ending. And the editor went, what? And he goes, yes, just put it in. And he goes, but I don't really have any scenes to transition it and kind of make it, you know, smoothly go together. And then the producer goes, I don't give a fuck if it's smooth or not. Just put it in. And so the guy literally just cut it in. And then he goes, all right, then put the credits. And the guy put the credits and then went, yep, that's the movie. And then actually sent that to theaters. I don't even think he watched it. And they literally rendered it down in final cut and then shipped it out next day for people to watch across the nation. <laughs> like that's the only reasonable explanation I have for that. Like, and then on top of that, there was at least 97 scenes in the trailers. I don't feel like we're in the actual movie. Like there's a scene in the trailers where Finn Wolfhard's character has like a sp gigantic spider crawling out of his mouth. Not in the movie. Yeah. There's yeah. a scene where she's like looking in this hallway thing and it's all, I don't know, overgrown with moss or whatever. Like it's a fucking resident evil location. And she's just like, you know, standing over it with her flashlight and the whole in the in the trailer, you see it where it scans past and you see a ghost figure there and she scans past it, then goes back to it and it's a ghost figure thing. But then in the actual movie, they just go flashlight scanning, flashlight scanning, ghost thing. And you're like, oh, you didn't even do that double take thing that wall is a huge cliche in horror films. Now I know why they do that. Because the alternative of just scanning and then directly seeing it is dumb. So as much as I've hated on the whole scanning past a monster double take thing in movies, I completely appreciate the fuck out of it now. Because just scanning until you see the monster thing is dumb and does not work and should just never be done in the history of movies ever again. But like they do so much of that to where and I'm going to ask you guys this question. How many versions of this movie do you think exist between like the writer, the director and the producers and then the final cut we got? Because I think it's 27. I think there are 27 different versions of the of the turning. Just 
<laughs> and this one is just like a like an Edward Scissorhands like choppity chopped version of this because like they focused on spiders a shit ton in this movie a shit ton of focus is put on spiders and at what point did that ever actually matter just like they focused on this ghost story and they focus on all this other stuff that makes no sense with the actual ending of the story you get because the opening of this movie is the original tutor like running away and getting attacked by the groundskeeper like at her car and all this other stuff which also if you notice in that scene when she's trying to get through the gate you see like the silhouette of a ghost outside of it but that was nothing and so like this mm-hmm. this maid chick or the, the the tutor chick gets like killed by the groundskeeper like raped and murdered or whatever and so they have to hire this new girl and then all of a sudden the new girl's just schizophrenic and made up all this other shit but like how does that tie into the beginning of the movie like where's the correlation effect with that like it doesn't tie together you're you're this character is like learning things and experiencing things and doing things that if it really is true to what they're saying at the end, that she's just like schizophrenic and hallucinating, that means most of the movie is a red herring and that most of the movie couldn't actually have happened. Like, how could you have the scene of the little girl sitting there on the bed and the ghost hands are like petting her head? Because the main character wasn't seeing that happen. Yeah. So how could you have that be the explanation that she's crazy? Because she didn't see that happen. So that scene was just put in for the audience. Yep. Which means it's bullshit. This movie didn't get the ending or the ending doesn't make sense with the movie because so much of the movie you witness is just fake bullshit that they give you to intentionally throw you off, if you will. And that's what makes me think that that ending was actually just strapped on at the end by a rogue person because it doesn't belong to anything in that movie. The only thing that that ending attaches itself to is like 30 seconds towards the beginning of the movie when you go inside and you see that the mom's crazy that's it that's the only thing that that ending ties itself to and that means nothing else in that movie is real even for the audience which makes it disingenuous which means you didn't know what you were doing with a movie and if you wanted to have a twist ending you didn't know how to actually do it because it's just a bunch, and I I know it's a movie, so of course it's all fake bullshit. But I'm talking about in a, in a story, like in a story from a story point of view, narratively speaking, they gave you red herrings that wouldn't exist within its own story. And fuck that when a movie does it. That's some bullshit. That's some laziness. And that's some fucking garbage. Justin, your turn. Wait, no, who? Heather. Heather, your turn. Somebody. I don't know. One of you two fucking go. I don't even know. <laughs> um. No, I do completely agree because I feel like just the abruptness of the ending really just threw off everything because you feel like, while a lot of the things didn't necessarily come together well, you feel like, oh, but there's a little bit more left of this movie that's going to explain that. And then it just ends and you're like, oh, okay, I guess not. (laughs) You know, and like, I know that there's like some controversy and there's some debate as to what the ending actually means. And I know that this movie is based off of the book, The Turn of the Screw, which I personally have not read. So I'm not sure if it kind of, you know, coincides with an ending they have there or if they just kind of take pieces of that and make it something completely different. But either way, um, it just, yeah, like just when it ends, it's just, it's very abrupt and it's confusing. It doesn't really clarify anything for you. 
Um, because, you know, like Sterling said, there is a point in it when you see that, oh, the the nanny gets the two kids out of the house and they end up just driving away and they're able to get away from it all. And then, yeah, it just becomes like a flashback to, um, you know, earlier in it when basically she's just looking at these paintings from her mom who is in a mental institution. And so you're just kind of like, okay, so is is she also crazy or is it like she's able to see the future? Is it, what does it mean? Why is it doing that? What, why was that what she saw and why did it flash back to that specific scene? And they don't explain it because it's, it's just a lot of like, Oh, I'm just guessing. I'm just kind of assuming or making an assumption about what I think means. And it's just very much an up in the air thing with how most, well, all of it actually ends. And it's kind of frustrating, but mostly you really do just leave it being like, what? (laughs) What does this mean? And you don't even know, like, basically at the end, it's like you just see her. um, It looks like she's just in a room by herself. And she turns around, like, she sees her mom and her mom turns around and she screams. And that's the end of the movie. You don't know what she saw. People are saying they think she saw herself instead of her mom. So basically it was her the whole time. I don't know. I honestly don't know what to make of it. Like some of the theories or things that people are saying it's about, I'm like, oh, that would be interesting. But no matter what the ending is that they think it could be, it wasn't that ending. And, you know, even if it was, you're like, yeah, but if that was it, you could have done so much more after that to make it better. You know, like you just could have kept going with it for a little bit and made it even more interesting because it, I mean there were elements of the movie that I do think were interesting. And I think it was a very beautifully shot movie. You know, it had that very eerie, creepy, dark feel to it. And that worked really well with what this movie was. But, um, and then the acting performances themselves, there was nothing wrong with them. Mackenzie Davis really did do a really great job as the nanny and the kids were good. Um, The little girl, she was great. She did a really good job. Finn Wolfhard, I think always does a good job. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're just kind of like, what I don't understand what all this is leading up to. They spend a lot of time on certain elements of it that you're like, does that matter in the long run? I mean, it really, there, I mean, a lot of the movie, they have these, um, I guess they kind of ensue that um, Miles, Finn Wolfhard's character, is just really this creepy kid who has like an obsession with the nanny and um and he learned that or whatever from quint who was the ghost that she kept seeing and that they kept seeing and you're just kind of like it's an interesting storyline because you're wondering like okay is that his influence is he in his body did he take over who he is what is that you know and you're interested enough in this story to be like okay i want to know what's going to happen here But then when it comes down to it and you find out what is happening, at least in the either the flash forward or the prophecy or whatever it is, it seems like Quint, the ghost of the guy who used to be, what was it there, um, just like helped them learn how to ride horses or something? I don't know. He was a fuckface or something. I don't know. I don't know rich people jobs. He's a fuck face or something. <laughs> yeah. So whatever it was, he was, was like, oh, he's just, um, you know, his ghost is keeping me here and I can't leave kind of thing. And you're just like, oh, all right. <laughs> like just completely his demeanor about who he is as a person changes because throughout the whole rest of the movie, you feel like 
he wants to be like Quint or he wants to be Quint. And so he's being like that weird, creepy vibe. And he's, he's doing all these weird things because he's learned these things from him. And then in her prophecy or whatever, it shows that he's just like, no, like, I just can't get away from him, you know? And you're just, you just feel like, oh, well, that's completely different than how you were being before. <laughs> like, suddenly it's just like, no, I didn't want to be that way. It's just that I'm stuck here, so I have to do what he says. You just feel like it was a very different vibe. And I don't know, it just, it didn't really seem to line up with the, what they were trying to make that story be. And it was just... It ended up being confusing the whole the whole movie because it ultimately added up to nothing. Like none of the uh, scenes that you feel like, oh, that's crazy or that's a big deal. It it's not. None of it is. In the end, nothing really mattered as to what happened because it turns out that she's either dreaming it or she's crazy or whatever, which they still don't even fully explain. So you just feel like they started the movie, they f they made most of it, and they were like this is all good. And they were like, okay, we just need to finish the movie. And then they just wanted to finish it in like the next day. And then they just ended it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, I have no conclusions to anything. I have no resolution or anything like that for what actually happens to these characters, what happens to the nanny, what happens to anybody in this movie. And even when you find the story of the ghosts that are, you know, like Quint's ghost being in the house and he killed the former nanny and then the um, housekeeper apparently kills him because she knows what happens or whatever it is or yeah so it's just like but why like I know these are the events that happened but why are these the events that happened and especially with the housekeeper I don't remember her name the old lady <laughs> but she was kind of for me I just was very disappointed in her character because she seemed to be very much like i am so loyal to this family i'm gonna do whatever it takes <clears throat> excuse me to you know protect them and to be there for them and then but it's just like well then why do they need a nanny if they had so much trouble keeping a nanny and whatever why didn't she just take on that job if she was already kind of taking care of them you know and it just became like this big deal of why do you need both if they're having such a problem keeping one, just do both of them, you know, but then she just seemed very removed from the rest of their lives once the new nanny came in, except for, oh, let me just feed them and take care of their laundry and whatever. But it's like, well, why was she so removed? Does she seem so concerned at the beginning, you know, and then, you know, she's just so loyal to the family. You don't know why she was so loyal to them. And then finding out that she's apparently the one that kills Quint. And, okay, well, why did she hide what she knew in the first place? And just any of her actions, you're like, why? I don't get it, you know? So her character was very lacking because you feel like there could have been a lot more depth there that they just did not explain to you. And Sterling, I totally agree. I think it probably had a lot of <laughs> alternate endings that you could have chosen or that they filmed and they were like, yeah, I guess this is the one we're going with because it's the one that it won't have the most solid resolution. And so we want it to be up in the air for people to figure out. Like, I don't know if that's what they were doing, but that's what it felt like. So it just was mostly confusing and just disappointing how much abruptness there was in the story and what happens towards the end. Like, really, it's just a matter of what was that ending and why. So um, while there are some elements like mostly the acting performances and how beautiful the movie was, 
those are the elements that I enjoyed about it. But the actual full storyline was not a thing. And that made it really disappointing. So, yeah, it just was not at all what I wanted it to be. Justin, what about you? Um, well, for me, I mean, you guys pretty much said it all. Like, it just, um, it, it, the, the ending doesn't seem to match the film that we got. And whenever I get to the end of the film and I struggle to understand what the film is about or what the, or what is the message of the film or what the film is trying to say. Movies, for me anyway, I'm that kind of movie watcher where if I get to the end and you haven't said anything significant, you haven't really given me something to that I can sink my teeth into or have a conversation with afterwards or, you know, you're not invoking anything in me, then you're going to lose a lot of points with me. And I just think that this was a movie uh, it felt like the screenwriter or maybe the directors or maybe all of them, uh, everyone's guilty. It just didn't understand what it wanted to say, because ultimately, what is this about? Is this about understanding whether or not you're crazy or not? Is this about how women are can be abused and be forgotten about? Or I, I don't know. Is this about like rejection what what is this about is this about running from your I, I just don't know what this film was trying to say and there are just a lot of character inconsistencies that um that, that some of you talked about like heather you were dead on and i was gonna say it the housekeeper was definitely a problem because it seemed like at the beginning she was just being an ass and kind of having conflict with Kate just for the sake of conflict. It didn't really feel earned. It didn't, I didn't understand why she was being rude. I mean, you put out this ad, this woman comes and she seems genuine and wants to help and seems to have good intentions. And it just seemed like right off the bat, the housekeeper just, it seemed like this character just wanted to have conflict with her. And I don't really understand why that was and it wasn't made too clear i mean she hadn't screwed up anything yet for this person to kind of be so apprehensive and i get that okay this is a new person coming in so and there's been other uh people that have come there and nannies or people that have or tutors or teachers that have come there and they didn't work out i get that but i just didn't understand the hostility towards kate just right off the bat at least that's how it seemed to me it didn't even seem like a well i'm being a little distance because i'm kind of filling you out sort of thing it just was it just seemed like she just was hostile towards her and i didn't really understand that and i don't think the movie ever really answered that and then it was weird the dynamic that the that they had throughout because there would be scenes where Kate would be trying to discipline the children, but then the housekeeper would be like, oh, you don't have to do that. You guys just do what you want to do. And I kept thinking, well, why are you undermining her? Is she going to, did you want her to do the job or did you not? Did you want her to take care of these kids and kind of be a, a figure for these kids or did you not want her to? So that character just frustrated me. Like I didn't understand why Kate wasn't being given a chance by her. I, I, maybe the kids, I can understand. They don't understand. They, they, they went through a tragedy. They're going to be distant. They're going to be tougher to reach. I get it. 
but I didn't understand the adult being like that towards another adult who's just trying to help. So that was weird. And then Kate's kind of her motivation, like, you know, there was one point where it just seemed like nothing was going right. And she was, and they were like, you know, you just need to leave and everything like that. And she was at the point of leaving and she has this phone conversation with her friend and just none of that. It was like, well, you know, I pinky swore to the child. So I really got to hang in on this one. And I mean, I get that, you know, I know that pinky swears are serious stuff. You know, I know, you know, that that's when you make a pinky swear, you really got to, you know, you're in it for the long run. I get it. But I don't know, man, in a movie, do I want that to be like one of the main reasons why you're staying or, you know, you've got this house, this housekeeper that's not that's rude and hostile towards you. These kids aren't listening to you and just seem like everything you do is wrong. And you're like, man, no, I made this pinky swear, man, I'm going to hang in there and do this thing. And then scary things are kind of happening. But all of that, you're like, oh, well, I did the pinky thing, so I got to hang in there. So that was a little weird too. Like it just, it just seemed like she, at first she was kind of this like strong willed person and she was really trying to help and everything like that. But then by the time we get to the end of the movie, this movie seems like it's about whether or not she was crazy or not or anything like that. And that didn't even seem like the character journey that this character was on. Like, and then they give some hints of, I guess uh, you can call it a hint whenever she gets those pictures from her mom, that male comes and she's looking at these pictures or whatever. And she's talking to the housekeeper about how her mom has this uh, condition and stuff. And then the housekeeper's like, well, I hope that that wasn't hereditary. And I'm like, okay, but what does that have to do with the arc of this character? If it was more about, am I crazy or not? Or or am I getting, am I contracting something that my mom has? Or if that was kind of a beat that it played from the beginning of the film, then maybe that ending at the end would have had more significance. Cause maybe then I would have been like, okay, when she looked at the mom and screamed, she obviously saw herself. It was the realization that yes, she really was crazy. And maybe that would have felt more earned if the whole film had kind of been predicated on that idea. But hell, I can't even say that because at first it seemed like it was about this woman just simply trying to win over these kids. You know, it would, that, that's what it seemed like to me. She was trying to show that she deserved to, uh, to, to take care of these kids. And then somewhere along the way, there were these ghosts and there was this conflict and this stuff going on. And you didn't really understand it all, but you kind of were intrigued. You wanted to know what was happening. And like Heather said, with the Finn character, you felt like uh, she, you know, you 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 kind of felt like she, um, it, it, it felt like maybe with the Finn character, he was being possessed. And maybe like uh, some of what Quinn was doing was rubbing off on him. And you thought that maybe somehow these ghosts were trying to manipulate and everything like that. But like you guys said, they just don't complete any of these ideas. And then by the time you get to the end of the film, none of it feels like that resolution doesn't fit or doesn't match anything that we got before it so so overall you just can't help but feel disappointed 
And I was, you know, I share the same sentiments as you guys, but I did want to present a fan theory because I, I really just didn't understand this. And I thought, you know, maybe I just didn't understand. You know, I'm not that person where when I misinterpret a film or I don't fully get a film, you know, it's hard for some people to admit that I just didn't get it. And, you know, I didn't get it. So maybe uh, uh, I need a second viewing or maybe I need to see what an interpretation of the film is. Well, I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. If I don't get a film, I will watch it again till I get it or I will go see what other people are interpreting as the film to see if maybe I missed something. So there was this guy, this YouTube video of this guy trying to explain the ending and his interpretation. And he admits he didn't think the movie was good. Now, this is not a guy who thought it was good by any stretch. He, he even sa says in his video, look, I think that this movie is terrible. I didn't really like it, but I think that this was what the movie was trying to say. And his theory was, is that the Kate character is actually, um, or that the mother um, is actually the Jessel character, the character that got abused by Quinn and then uh, went and kind of escaped the house and left and everything like that. Of course, we know that the housekeeper killed Quinn and then Jessel would kind of disappeared or was never seen again. And he goes through kind of this idea that Kate's mom is Jessel and the Kate story of her going to this house and rescuing these kids and all of this stuff like that. He, his idea was that that was, um, that was Jessel, I guess, dreaming or reminiscing, or that was her having a, a fantasy about what should have happened. I should have been able to rescue those kids. I should have been able to leave the house. I should have been able to do those things, but not being able to do that. And this whole Kate thing was just a fantasy about what she wishes that would have happened. I wish that I would have had someone who could have rescued those kids from that and they not have to go through that and different things like that. So at the end, when Kate turns the person and looks, she sees um, herself because it's all because this Jessel character, it's all in kind of the imagination of this Jessel character and the whole experience with Quint and all of that essentially made Jessel crazy. And so she kind of pictured all of this because somewhere in her mind, she wishes this is how it played out, but that's not how it really played out. And does all the movie point to that? Of course not. It, the You know, the ending doesn't really make any sense. But man, I really like that idea. And I wish the film, I wish that had been the idea. And I wish the film had set up scenes for that. I almost wish that was the ending, but obviously it wasn't. But anyway, I just thought that that was a cool uh, fan theory to share. But no, I totally agree with you guys, though, all in all. The big problem with that fan theory, though, is the fact that at the end, her fantasy of saving the kids became a would have technically, according to that theory, become a fantasy of her still going crazy in a different way. And that makes no sense, like in that regard, like the end of the movie, the, the, the exact end that breaks the movie as it is, breaks the fan theory in the same way, like the fan theory would only explain the part of the movie that is coherent 
and then would have needed an ending explaining that part. Yeah. But the actual ending itself breaks it the same way. Like, that's the problem with the way they ended this movie is it breaks everything. Every version of this movie gets broke by that ending. I mean, I have a quick question for you guys when it comes to the end of this movie. So if this movie had just ended with her driving away from the house with the kids, would it not have just changed this movie to it's fucking garbage and the ending makes no sense to at least just a mediocre horror film? If it had just ended at the yeah, for sure. end of the movie? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, totally. Like, and I think that's what's so weird about it is it, it takes it from just a perfectly okay movie to just dog shit in 30 seconds. <laughs> Any final thoughts on the turning? No, I think that's it for me. No, let's turn to something else. <laughs> I see what you did there. All right. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to do the same exact thing, but we're going to talk about the gentle, uh, gentleman. Now Guy Ritchie's the gentleman. So let's, let's, oh, oh no, switch this up. Justin. So what are your spoiler free thoughts on the gentleman? All right. So uh, overall, I enjoyed this film. Uh, definitely more than the turning, but that's neither here or there. But no, I, I really enjoyed this man. And um, Guy Ritchie, uh, if you're not somebody who's familiar with his directing, um, you know, th this movie is very much in the spirit of um, of stuff like, uh, man, what was that movie that that he that came out? Um, talking about like Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels. Uh, yes, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. That's the one I was thinking of. It's in the spirit of that. And of course, Snatch, which I mean, um, I love Snatch. I really like that film. But it's in the spirit of those movies. So Guy Ritchie um, is the director here. And I mean, you can, you can have the arguments. Is it better than those movies? Is it better than Lock, Stock, or Snatch, or any of that? That's another debate for another time. But honestly, I think that if it's not, if you don't think it's as good as those, it probably is probably the best movie like this since those, which I think is still good. Um, I think I thought that Matthew McConaughey was great here. Uh, really the entire cast, like Matthew McConaughey was great as Michael. Uh, Charlie Hunnam was also great in this. And it's interesting because I'm a fan of the Sons of Anarchy. And I really thought that Charlie Hunnam in this as Ray, this kind of calculating uh, henchman sidekick, if you will, uh, very meticulous, very methodical. I really thought that Charlie Hunnam brought it in this movie and really was um, a show stealer in a lot of scenes that uh, that he was in. So I really thought that he just really brought um, something great to this. Uh, but man, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Hugh Grant as Fletcher. Man, Hugh Grant really brings it in this movie and arguably what might be uh, his strongest performance that I can remember. I mean, he was just so great as this reporter Fletcher that had this dirt and had this information and was trying to play the system and trying to see what deal that he could strike with uh, with Matthew McConaughey and the rest of the gang. So not to get into too many details of that, but all of the banter back and forth with him and Charlie Hunnam, the other scenes that he was in, man, Hugh Grant just 
absolutely uh, killed it for me. But there were other characters that were good here too. Colin Farrell as the coach, and he, you know, and he had these group of guys who were fighters, and they get involved in this story. And uh, Henry Golding as Dry Eye was another uh, great. He he was another person who really showed up in this movie. And I think that that really is the strength of the film is just that these are people that you enjoy seeing on screen. They have so much charisma, and they you can just tell that they have a lot of fun playing these characters. Um, and, and, and the film, for the most part, I felt was easy to follow. There were a few parts that were maybe you, it kind of drags a little bit and then you, but you know, but overall it gets the point across. It gets where it needs to go. Uh, the the twist at the end weren't necessarily the, the greatest plot twist or anything like that. And, you know, maybe you saw it coming, maybe you didn't, but what's satisfying is just how the film Film comes to a resolution, how everything settles down with the characters and what ultimately winds up happening in the end. It's a satisfying ride. And this is just one of those where it's just really about the dialogue and the banter to me. It's also beautifully shot. The editing is really good in this movie. Going from a character's narration to what's happening on screen and all the different transitions that they do, most of the time they nail those transitions and it makes for a very stylish, very uh, beautifully shot, very just uh, worthy, worthy in its dialogue film. So I, I had I had a, a lot of fun with this. I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny throughout. There are some memorable lines and funny quotes that I'm sure people after they watch this will buy this and be able to say back and forth, kind of like they did with Snatch. Maybe not as many great ones as Snatch, but uh, it's definitely in that territory with the dialogue and just some of the things that the characters say. So overall, it was stylish. It was fun, and it was very enjoyable for me. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I think stylish and fun are probably the most accurate ways to describe this film. Like even from the very beginning down to just like what they're wearing, how they're talking to each other, just everything about it was like a really like, I don't know, like smooth swagger type movie. <laughs> like everything they did was just very, they're, they're just very cool. You know, they were just like all badass in anything they did. And I loved the style of this film. I think like just the suits they wore and just everything like they just really were all really like they, they were top notch in, in the, the style department on this movie. But no, it was just a fun movie with um, just the dynamics between the characters is for sure something that stands out in my opinion. And it's um, it does take you on quite a ride because when you think you figured something out, something else happens and it's not quite at all what you think it's going to be, but in not in the way that the turning was, but like in a way more so of just like, oh, OK, that happened. Cool. I didn't see that. So um, I also just like the way that the story's told, how they progress it, how they kind of reveal certain things in it. I think they do it in a very clever way. I think revealing um, certain intentions and certain characters and their motives is done really well. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's just a fun film and there's, you know, it's just got the right amount of action and wit and charisma about it. And just, it's a smart film. I think it's a very smart film. It is kind of in that same vein, of course, as 
uh, lock stock to smoking barrels and snatch and all of those it's got that same kind of vibe about it when you watch it um i liked this one i mean and maybe it's I, it's been a while since i've seen the other ones but i liked this one better than those and i think i don't know why maybe i mean the performances were all real solid i can't really say enough about henry golding in this movie i think he just really was phenomenal as that just that guy that you really hate <laughs> um but yeah it's just a really great movie with excellent performances and just all of the dynamics of everybody and also shout out to uh, Colin Farrell on this movie I thought he was phenomenal in this film uh you know you see some characters playing people that they're they've played similar characters of before you see them playing characters they've never played before and it's all so good like everyone's really on that same playing field level of performance in this film and I enjoyed it and I think the story was really well told and it was an interesting story. Kept you um intrigued the whole time. Um yeah, I think it was a solid film. Uh yeah, it's I think it's it's kind of a um a return to form for Guy Ritchie in a lot of ways. It's very much is like uh Lockstock and Who's Smoking Barrels. It's a lot like Snatch. Um it really captures, you know, the tone and the feel and the the franticness of those movies. And uh, I'll say for the most part in a good way. Uh, one thing I'll say without getting in specifically into it yet is, unfortunately, a lot of the mentalities uh, also feel like they're in this, from the same era as that, and and that's definitely not in a in a good way. Um, but for the most part, the, yeah, the acting is superb. Um, I really liked Colin Farrell as the coach. I to me, he was he was the best thing in this movie. Um, I really liked seeing Henry Golding. Uh, play up um, being a bad guy because I really want Henry Golding to be Namor in the MCU. <laughs> and so seeing him have some cockiness and, and, and some menace to him uh, was what I really need to see uh, to, to solidify him being my pick for Namor. So yes, he does that in this movie. So yeah, Marvel hit him up. He would be a good Namor. Do it. Um, uh, but yeah, Matthew McConaughey was great. Uh, Hugh Grant was good. Um, and what's his name? Charlie Hunnam. I thought was fantastic. I thought he was really, really good playing that role of being such a calculated and meticulous person, but having that mysterious aura around him of he'll just fuck your life up, um, which is always a really good character in a Guy Ritchie movie, that type of person. And I, and I really do feel like he nailed that. So yeah, for the most part, yeah, I really do. I think it was, it was a, like I said, a good return to form for Guy Ritchie, and, and, and it was fun to actually get to, to see that again. So, uh, Justin, what about you? What's your recommendation and score for this movie? Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to recommend this one, especially like we've all said. If you're a fan of Lockstock or Snatch or any of those movies, uh, like I said, and I agree with Sterling, like I said, I think that this is... Um, even if you don't think it's better than those, it's right. It's probably the best one since those. And Sterling called it a return to form. So yeah, I think that this is a lot of fun. This is characters and actors that we like. These are people that uh, just light up the screen when they're on it. They do the best with, with what they're given with the dialogue. The story is told in a very interesting, stylish way. And it just makes for solid entertainment at the movie. So yeah, I do recommend it. Um, uh, yeah, this was a, a lot of fun. So go see this one. Um, and right now at the movie theater, 
um the, the there's not a lot like this one to watch there's not really like there's just this sweet alternative to this or something like that or like there's a better version of this out or anything like that it's kind of its own unique experience so for that i can definitely recommend it um i'm going to give it let's go ahead and give it we'll go 75 that's a solid score we'll go 75 (laughs) rap videos about fighting and stealing and how you're the best with your little fighting crew out of 100 heather what about you i'm actually gonna go i i do recommend this movie um i'm gonna go with um let's go with 78 bodies hidden in a freezer during a interrogation out of 100 yeah uh i recommend it for, i mean for the most part like i said it's it's a very fun ride it's a very stylish movie it's a very fun movie it has some problematic areas areas in it um especially like i said mentality wise with this movie but for the most part it really is a fine fun movie um i'll give it 70 uh i really like henry golding's out of 100 uh anything else before spoilers nope nope all right spoilers this is spoilers time so if you don't want to hear spoilers uh stop it now and then come back using the time code in the description and so we're going to the spoilers um so to break it down even further when i when i'm talking about the mentalities of this movie um this movie is still very much along the lines of Lockstock and Smoke, Two Smoking Barrels and, and Snatch and just that era of movie movies in general. Um, when it comes to kind of racial stereotypes and, and feelings towards the uh, LBGTQ community and their jokes along the like, um, because it, who the fuck says Chinaman anymore? Like, who legitimately says that? I don't know. This movie posits that that's still a very common, just okay thing to say. Um, and just while Hugh Grant was great at the same time, his character was weirdly aggressively gay. He couldn't just be somebody who was a homosexual and that's just fine in who they are. He took every opportunity he could to talk about how he wanted to fuck Charlie Hunnam's character, like aggressively. So like to the point of, you know, whenever he's like, oh, which piece of the meat do you want? And he's like, oh, definitely the bottom. Why? Why the fuck does that joke need to be made still? Dear fucking Christ. Or at the point later in the movie when Charlie Holmes' character is like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. And he's like, oh, can I join you? And the guy's like, no. And he's like, well, what if I do it anyway? And I stare at you in the shadows and I wank off into a towel. What the fuck? Who the fuck says things like that? Dear fucking Christ. Like that used to be such a weird trope in movies back in the day where gay characters were hyperly aggressive towards other males and like to the point of like oh no matter what they're just gonna like s- try to sneak fuck you and for whatever reason this movie is still trapped with that stereotype this movie in that regard really reminded me of uh the the predators sequel that just came out not too long ago i don't know in like 2018 or whatever where it was directed by shane black who wrote the first one like in the the first predator movie has a lot of weird problematic jokes in that era or in, in, in that same type of vein. But it was made in the early 80s, so you kind of give it a pass. Like, that was acceptable back then to joke about, you know, even if you don't view it like that anymore. Fine, whatever. But then he does the same type of jokes in the one he writes and directs in 2018. Like, he mimics the same type of things. And you're like, okay, that's just fucking dumb now. It doesn't make any sense to continue to have that same type of mentality and stuff like that. 
So why the fuck are we still doing that? It's just incredibly unnecessary. And it's not because it's like, oh, it's not PC or whatever like that. It's just, it's just, it's unnecessary. It just makes it, it's just not even funny. It's not that it's not PC or anything like that. And it's like, oh, it's too edgy or whatever. No, just genuinely at this point in time, it's so fucking low base that it's just not funny. Like they didn't even try to like do anything different with it or to like seem like that's where they were going with it and then like turn the table. No, they're literally just doing the same jokes from the late 90s, early 2000s type of movie like this. And at a certain point, with as as good as the movie was and stuff like that, Guy Ritchie, get your shit together and fucking move at least a decade further. Like you're 20 years behind in the type of fucking jokes you're land, or trying to land in this movie. Let's at least just try to move up a decade and try to just be 10 years behind in this type of fucking shit. Because fuck, that was tiresome. Anyway. Whose turn is it now? Heather, is it your turn? Who fucking knows? Uh, you you went last time after I said the same type of thing. Uh, Justin, so your turn. What, uh, what's some more spoilerish type of things with this movie? Um, okay, so just to get into uh, um, some of the things that, uh, that, that I noticed about it, uh, just um, I think that um, just to talk about, a, I guess, a critique in a, in a way, uh, I, I do think that the movie... Um, somewhere in from like right when it started at the beginning, it was cool. It was setting things up, establishing characters and stuff like that. But I do think that there was kind of like this weird part in the middle where it didn't seem like much was happening, like not much was moving while they were having these conversations and things like that. And it did feel that there was sort of kind of this lowly part or maybe we could have got to things faster or it um the some of those parts where it was showing um Matthew McConaughey and uh Jeremy Strong and there and them meeting up with each other to discuss um how he was going to take over um his drug properties and things like that and then there was kind of just these moments where I do feel the film kind of lulled, like it would give us something entertaining as far as like characters interacting with each other. But there were certain parts where you felt like it didn't move the plot along as maybe as fast as maybe it could have. So while this movie clocked in at just under two hours, you probably could have cut about 15 or 20 from that. Like, and maybe kind of tightened it up a little more. Maybe it would have felt uh, a little bit smoother. So that was just kind of something I noticed that there were parts kind of, and it was just mainly noticeable towards the middle where I did feel it drug a little bit. And maybe part of that too was that it took a while to introduce the coach and Colin Farrell's character. And I do feel like whenever the coach was introduced, things really picked up in the film. Like, because that, that group of fighters that he was coaching and how they got involved with this and everything like that, all of that was so interesting. And it was almost like the film took a different pace whenever he was introduced. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe that there was such a contrast from getting to coach 
pre-coach and then post-coach, I guess you could say, like the pace pre-coach just felt a little bit slower and plodding. And then once we got the coach and introduced him, and then all of a sudden it starts intertwining these other elements in the story, I really feel like that's where the film picked up and really was strong uh, throughout. So that was just something I wanted to add was just that uh, I did think that um, maybe they should have got to that quicker because there are parts where it drags um, a little bit. Uh, but but other than that, um, you know, uh, 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 there aren't really too many complaints that I have. I really just liked a lot of this movie. That There were just a lot of uh, like great interactions with the characters, but back to Charlie Hunnam and just some of the stuff that was going on with him where they, 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 they're, they're trying to track down, uh, this one guy's son and they, they got to bring the, I mean, sorry, the daughter, they got to bring her back because she's, uh, look like she's being involved with drugs and with the wrong people. And just that whole scene where they go and, um, they're trying to, convince her to come back and then these got these kids are trying to talk tough and uh the whole conflict that happens with that with them winding up and then one of those kids winds up dead and come to find out that person was actually an important person and stuff like that i mean like we said just in the spirit of lock stock and uh stuff like snatch it's always kind of that thing where you've got this situation and it seems like it's going to be easy but then something that doesn't quite go according to plan and then that thing winds up being one of the more important things that you don't think it is at the time and then it winds up being so just cool stuff like that man it was just nice to sit in a movie and experience something like that again and then a character be like well remember that kid that died well that wasn't just anybody he actually was the son of this very very powerful man and this powerful man set these things in motion so you know I just thought it was cool to kind of be in the theater and experience a movie like that again and, and like I said man there are just so many awesome scenes and I know I mentioned the the whole rap scene with the fighters and uh, coaches uh, crew and everything like that and just even stuff like that there were just so many stylish things that they did with the certain characters and stuff and even though those were minor characters that really gave them some color and just really made them kind of more entertaining and compelling so I mean th this film just made a lot of good decisions though yeah the directing and pacing it might have lulled in some parts but I think ultimately it, it just they just made a lot of good decisions so uh yeah just uh, some more things that i thought were very enjoyable about the film what about you heather what are your thoughts on this movie yeah i mean i first of all i just want to say like the opening credits were phenomenal i loved how they did that that was really cool but um yeah i mean i the dynamics of the characters in this movie is just really there was something special about it, and I don't know why that is. It's just everybody played off of each other so well. Charlie Hunnam is fantastic in this movie. Like, I almost feel like he's the main character of the movie at points, you know? Like, he's just... But, I mean, just the way he carries himself and how he, um, how he is with Hugh Grant's character and just really trying to keep his calm and his cool and really try to play the, the part of, like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? 
and then come to find out that he actually the whole time knows like yeah I, I realized what you were doing <laughs> you were talking to me trying to set it up and I knew this before you came and so I set you up kind of thing and it was just really it was a cool twist and um I don't know. It just, there was just something about how everybody played off of each other that really worked so well in this movie. And when you're going to do a movie like this, where you have so many powerhouse actors in it and you have such a intricate story that kind of connects a lot of different characters, you really have to have that strong dynamic between each of them. And, um, you know, I even liked the parts that were, um, where (laughs) like the part when, um, Matthew McConaughey's character is just kind of daydreaming that he just kills Henry Golding and his little sidekick guy, you know, like that, just that whole scene, because for a second I was like, did that just happen? Like what in the world? And then you find out that he's just like daydreaming about it or envisioning that happening and it didn't really happen. Or that the, the way the story is told from Hugh Grant is just like, he's making it sound like that's what he did when really that's, not at all how he works so that's not what he would have done so it's just kind of interesting to see like it was just a funny little take on it of of how that went down but um and just how completely different it was than what really happened so i i thought that was a really humorous part of the movie but um yeah i don't know i just i'm impressed with henry golding as a villain like you said sterling i just i love henry golding there's something very charming very um just very likable about him in any movie that I've seen him in, which isn't a lot because he's a fairly new actor to the scene, but there's just something about him that is just very enjoyable to watch no matter what movie it is. So I do agree about that. And Matthew McConaughey is really, um, I mean, he's so versatile, especially in the past several years. I feel like he's shown just his versatility and his, in his abilities and his talent and, um, yeah, I mean, and Hugh Grant's character was, <laughs> he was very memorable, and he just, I, I, he was very witty and clever and very tricky in, in how he said things and how he did things, and just his whole way of being was very humorous, but very well done. So I, I just feel like the, just the slight, the subtle little things about some of these characters was just very clever and how they did it because you don't think that they're going to be a big deal but then later just seeing their how they are with other people you understand why they're that way um and i do also agree sterling that colin farrell is the best thing about this movie (laughs) which is hard to say because i feel like so many performances were so strong but just colin farrell's character was there he was top notch he was funny he was smart he was just really a likable guy like really you could see he wanted to do the right thing and it was just he was really great he he did a great job as this character um and i don't know i just think i think the story was it was pretty well done and um yeah i do i mean i do think there's there's a few things like the way that they tied up some loose ends it they they explained pretty much most of what they did in the movie but they could have just maybe tied it up a little bit cleaner in some areas. Um, but yeah, I just think that overall, just the, I don't know, just the the way that everything played out was smart and it made sense with the, what they were trying to do with that story. And a lot of misdirection that they give you with what happens is what makes the movie so intriguing because you feel like, oh, this is totally going to be what this is. And then, oh, wait they totally threw one over on you and that's not at all what happened. So um, it was just very much like, I'm going to play you. You're going to play me. 
but you know, it's just going to be something that nobody sees coming, no matter what it is. And I think kind of at every turn, that's sort of what happened here, where you feel like they're kind of one step ahead of the audience all the time. And in a lot of movies, you feel like you don't really get that. You you kind of get the idea of like, oh, I know what's about to happen. I know what's going to what's going to go down here. I feel like this movie's kind of a step ahead in kind of keeping you on your toes. Like you really don't you I can't really say for me that I knew that this specific thing was about to happen or this specific person was about to do this or not do this. So I think it was great in that way where it really keeps you on your toes guessing as to what is actually going to go down by the end of this movie. So um, yeah, I just think, and I I really loved also the, (laughs) the Matthew McConaughey's character. Um, Matthew McConaughey's character is just really, his main concern is his wife who he loves more than anything in the world, you know, and you just feel like he's this, rock star badass guy in what he does and you feel like that's what he's going to care about more but at the end of the day he's like no if you threaten my family in any sort of way that's what's going to get me to not be your friend like that's when I'm your enemy is when you threaten my wife or my family that's when I don't take it and it was just kind of like you just kind of see a lot of diversity and just you see more of a depth to him than you expect and just the way he played it off with the rest of how his character was supposed to come across to other people, it was just really good. It made sense for who he was, you know, um, something that you probably could have guessed based on just how much you see that he loves his wife and how they work together as partners. You could have guessed that. But um, I just I just loved the scene when he's just like, no, like you guys basically threatened my wife and laid hands on my wife. You're not going to be able to come back from that. And just seeing his driving force is not the fame or the money or the whatever. It's the love of his life. And it was just kind of like, it was a little bit of a throw off that that would be the thing that set him off. But the way the rest of his character did things throughout the movie, you you, you should have seen it coming. You're like, yeah, that makes total sense. But they were clever enough. I don't know. It was kind of like a, a very subtle thing they did with his character that I appreciated. So yeah, I just, overall, I just think this movie was so well done and it was fun and it was not a perfect movie by any means, but just one of those where you watch it and you, you leave and you're like, yeah, I actually really liked how everything turned out in that movie. So um, yeah, that's why I think it's pretty solid all around. Any other thoughts, guys? Nope. Nope. I'm good. All right. Well, on that note, guys, thank you guys for listening to the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out at cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscore slayers. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, hit us up on any of those platforms or email us at cinemaslayerspodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, let us know what you, you guys think of the new format. Do you guys like this better than the old way? Do you want us to go back to the old way? Just let us know what you think. Um, put it in the comments. Put it in email. I don't know. Direct message us. You know, anything. Just let us know. What you think about it we just wanted to do something to help you guys you know actually be able to listen to the podcast without seeing the movie yet not have anything ruined for you and then after you see the movie you can listen to uh listen to it also just let us know what you think about it if you have any uh topics or anything like that or a movie uh you want us to do or anything like that uh let us know uh reach out to us we're definitely not opposed to that um and we're always looking for stuff uh to do that w- um and we always appreciate fan interaction so just yeah get a hold of us let us know what you think um, I don't know. There's probably a bunch of other stuff I could say. I can't think of it at this point. So I'm just going to move on and say, remember guys, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a best picture winner.
Hey, Mom, is that you? Mom, turn around. Can I see you? Mom, is that you? Turn around. Oh, it's me. What <laughs> the fuck?